What a blessing. I love that song and a great song and well done this morning. I appreciate it so much. Ephesians chapter 6, if you'll mark your Bibles there. I'm going to walk through these four verses this morning as I preach on the subject, A Spirit-Filled Home is a Blessed Home. A Spirit-Filled Home is a Blessed Home. This is a message that you may want to make note of or mark that you could listen to again. It is one of instruction. Uh, it is not one of inspiration. Uh, I am probably not going to be uh, very animated this morning as I have a lot of things that I want to give you and I want to stay right on time. And I believe it's important as I preach it, the message, a spirit-filled home is a blessed home. Heavenly Father, I pause to pray, Lord, not out of a requirement or a habit, but I sure do hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you'd let me be a blessing to those that will hear the message here this morning in the auditorium, and those that are watching online, and then as you would use this message in a recorded manner in months and years to come, may we see Ephesians 6, 1 through 4 at face value, and may we not just hear it, but may we apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, uh, amen. I've had children in the home heavy uh, on my heart, especially this summer, as I continue to hear of the obvious desire of Satan to corrupt the minds of our young people with a level, a level of wickedness and immorality like I've never seen or heard before. I, uh, I believe that the days of Noah uh, are uh, being lived out more each day uh, in the days that we live. And Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, uh, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is coming soon. While I believe it is important to decry and denounce the wickedness of the hour, it is more important to preach the instruction given in the Word of God for a godly, spirit-filled, and blessed home. We cannot preach just what is wrong. We have to learn and obey what is right to do. While we live our lives by the principles of the Word of God, we believe that we can enjoy the blessings of obeying those principles. Just as the Bible says in Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, just as sure as we would expect to be drunk if you drink wine, I expect that we will be blessed if we are Spirit-filled by obeying the principles of the Word of God. Are you with me this morning? I believe when the Spirit of God is in control of our lives, He will cause us to place others ahead of self, and everyone accepted in their God-given role as established in the Word of God. I believe this Bible is the final authority. I believe we'll stand before God not in a matter of opinion or popular opinion, but what the Bible declares as right and what the Bible declares as wrong. In Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible described the role in marriage of the man, the husband, of the woman, and the wife. When we come to chapter 6, we learn about the relationship 
in these first four verses of parents and children. And this morning, I've divided the message into two parts, and I want you to hear me well. I want to ask that every child, every, that means everybody living at home, uh, you're still uh, eating your parents' food and staying in your parents' home. I want you to hear especially the first uh, half of the message. I want you to listen as I give all of it this morning. Verses 1 through 3 uh, talks about the spirit-filled child. I want you to notice there are two commands given to those that are under their parents' care in these verses. Notice the Bible says, first of all, children are to obey their parents. I've been asked through the years, do you believe in child's rights? I do, and I have scripture for it. Ephesians 6.1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. You have the right to obey your parents in the Lord. And so the first instruction is given to obey your parents. There is a second command that's given, and that is to honor your father and mother, as stated in the second verse. Children are to hear, they're to listen uh, for the purpose of obeying. Just as when you and I come to church, we're not here just to hear, we're here to do. Uh, you don't read a cookbook just to read it for enjoyment. You read a cookbook to cook a recipe and to prepare a meal. We don't read the Bible just for enjoyment. We read the Bible to receive instruction of how to live our lives. And so parents are to hear their children with the intent to obey their children. That's God's first command. Now, it doesn't just refer to young children, but to all offspring. You've heard it said, as long as you eat my food and sleep under my roof, you'll do what I say. Uh, now, that may be a crude way of saying, but that's what the Word of God says. Children are to obey their parents. I want you to hear this statement. Obedience has to do with action. Honor has to do with attitude. So children are to obey their parents in both action and attitude. My father had a unique ability to judge my attitude before it became an action. And when the attitude was bad, he was ready to cut the snake's head off when it became an action quickly. We're supposed to obey parents in action and attitude. The Bible tells us that men and women are no longer under authority of their parents once they marry themselves. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 31. You buy your own food, you live in your own house, you're no longer under the command to obey. However, we're still supposed to give honor and respect to our parents. And I'm supposed to preach that. I'm supposed to tell us what the Word of God says about those things. There are two reasons uh, given in these verses why children are to obey. Uh, not only do we have the two, command, uh, the two commands uh, to obey and honor. One is action uh, or obedience and action. The other is obedience and attitude. Uh, there are two reasons. Those two reasons are, first of all, it's a spiritual thing to do. Spiritual means it pleases God. When children obey their parents, uh, when children obey their parents, it pleases God. The Bible says, uh, in the Lord, when a child obeys, it is a way of serving the Lord. Teenager, you may one day desire uh, to do a specific work or perform a specific task in the will of God. If you're to do that, and I'll preach more about this tonight, uh, the way you're in the will of God now or the way you serve God now is to obey your parents in the Lord. 
I'm preaching this morning not just against the sin and wickedness of the world, but I'm reminding us of what the Bible says in the rearing of our children and the children obeying their parents. The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse number 20, Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. You want to please the Lord? You need to obey your parents. Children, obey their parents. Not only is it a spiritual thing to do, it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. It's far too common to see children talking back to their parents, rolling their eyes at their parents when told or given instruction, or pitching a fit when they don't get their way. There's nothing pleasing or honoring about that kind of behavior. There's nothing, there's nothing pleasing to God, but that kind of behavior dishonors the Lord. Now, we could shout amen have a better time if we preach against the sin of the heathen. But when we get to preaching about the instruction of behavior and proper behavior, we need to understand this is what we need. And the reason America has gone astray so far is we have not given the instruction that's supposed to be given to our children in the home. Obeying our parents is not only the spiritual thing to do, obeying your parents is the right thing to do. It's interesting studying the life of Christ. Luke chapter 2, Jesus obeyed his parents. He followed the instruction of his parents. Uh, you read the example of Samuel. He followed the instruction of his mother Hannah who had prayed so earnestly that God would give her children. So children are not only to hear their parents, children second of all are to honor their parents. Look at verse number 2 if you will please. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. The word honor carries the idea of value. It means that children are to hold their parents in a high regard. There is nothing more ugly, nothing more displeasing, nothing more obnoxious than a child who is disrespectful to their moms and dads. Young people don't seek to be pleasing or accepted by the world. Seek to be pleasing to the God of heaven. One of the signs of the last days. Now we know many signs. We know how nations are going to form. And there's going to be a ten nation confederacy. And there's going to be a one world government and a one world religion. And we know uh, those things. And we know how about uh, Gog and Magog. And we know about all those things. But another listed in that the signs of the last days is children disobedient to their parents. You've never seen like you've seen today a disregard, a disrespect, and a disobedient to parents. I don't know how many times I've heard mothers count to three. Or to say, if you do that one more time, again and again, that's not scriptural. Children are supposed to obey their parents. They're to hear them and they are to honor them. Children naturally go through four stages in their relationship with their parents. This is not what they're supposed to do in Scripture, but this is what naturally is done if not corrected or directed in the right manner. 
First parents are idolized. When children are just babies and small, there's nothing that parents can't do. And parents are perfect in the eyes of their children. But then they come to the place that parents are demonized. We recognize, or children recognize, that parents are in charge of life and they learn in this world to blame parents for every problem or every pain that goes wrong in their life. And so they begin to blame their parents. They're angry at their parents for things that go wrong. They then move to the third stage, and that's the parents, uh, parents are utilized or they become slaves of the children. Now, I'm not telling you what the Bible says we're supposed to do. I'm telling you what's happening in our world. Utilize. Hey, Dad, can you do this for me? Mom, can you get me this? Can I get a bowl of cereal? Sure you can. It's on the third shelf in the pantry. You just take that little box and open it up and pour it in the bowl and get your milk. Sure you can. In fact, you may. They utilize their parents. They get what they want. And then they come to the place that they humanize their parents, and that's when children become parents and realize this isn't an easy task. And things don't work out like I had planned. And I really can't prevent the difficulties and the pains of my children. And parents are not gods, nor are they demons. And they're just people, and they begin to humanize their parents. And as we get older, we go back to idolizing our parents our parents weren't very smart when we were teenagers. When we became adults, our parents became the wisest people we've ever met. Now, that's the, that, that's the progression of the world. That's not the progression of the Scripture. We need not follow the path of the flesh. We need not follow the path of the majority. We need to follow the path of the Scripture that says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment given with promise. By the way, many of us here today, my wife and I have one daughter uh, still at home. Many of us today, you have an empty nest. But you ought to encourage children to obey their parents. You ought to promote and encourage what the Bible says about obeying uh, uh, your parents. We need grandparents. Boy, this is tough. I'm about to preach on myself. We need grandparents that encourage and allow their children to train and admonish and discipline their children according to the Word of God. Grandparents are not supposed to get in the way. Come on, grandparents. Grandpas, help me. Say amen. Uh, or owe me one. Uh, Lord, help us to encourage our children as they rear their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Children who honor their parents are given a tremendous promise Honor your father and mother. And here's what he says, that it may be well with thee and you may live long on the earth. That word live long means to live well. I believe, and I was talking about it this week to a friend. I said, I believe many of the blessings of my life have been as a direct result of a godly mom and dad that I didn't earn but I inherited and now have a responsibility to give those uh, to my children. I believe many blessings in life I enjoy because of honoring, honoring and respecting a mom and dad that believe the word of God and raise me according to this scripture. They believe that old proverb that says boys are like canoes. They go best when paddled from the rear. By the way, if your children, if you young people 
haven't said I love you to your parents in a while, it's about time you tell them. If you young people haven't said thank you to your mom and dad, I, I made a note while praying this week, and I've carried it this week. I believe I wrote this down Tuesday. And I wrote this down. Do we need poverty to be thankful? As I drove in Breathitt County and Perry County, not in Letcher County this week, and I saw what once used to be a house, a barn, a family, life, it's all gone now. Do I have to experience that to be thankful for a home to live in? Do I have to experience the loss of all things to be thankful that I have a refrigerator with electricity uh, to it and food in it to enjoy it? Young people, you ought to say thank you to your parents. Hey, we're living in those last days. And I want to tell you something. I don't want the judgment of God to come. Let that come in another generation. I don't want to be a part of statistics. I want to be a part of obedience to the word of God. I'm not accepting this and say, well, that's just the way it's going to be. The next generation can give up if they want to. I don't want them to. But I don't want to give up on right behavior and godly behavior and scriptural truth of what the word of God teaches in our day. Second part of the message, deal with the spirit-filled parent. Look at verse number four, if you will, please. And your fathers, by the way, the word fathers there, when you look at that, he's not talking about just dad, but he's talking about the parents as a team. Mom and dad working together. There ought to be one set of standards, one standard set in the home. Shouldn't be dad's opinion or mom's opinion. It ought to be the very best understanding of this whole book that we hold in our hands. I hear folks say, well, it doesn't all make sense. No, it all works out right. It don't have to make sense just so it works out the way God said it works out, and it does. And your fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Do you know when Christianity began to influence the world, the status of the entire family was elevated? I want you to hear me well. It's not been politics that's improved our lives when you study the history of Western civilization and the history of America. Hear me well. It's not been politics or good ideas of men that have improved the lives of people of Western civilization. It is that book right there that I hold in my hand. That's what made the home of great value. That's what said the man and the woman is equal. They're not the same, but they're equal. The Bible is the one. Do you understand there were days in, in this world that the wife was treated no less than a service or a work animal? And do you understand in our, in our world, in the history of Western civilization, and you go back to the days of just the Roman Empire, that they could decide if they wanted to keep a child by the way they felt or what they wanted and they could just do away with the child many times just drown a child that they didn't want you understand it was Christianity that brought the home together it was Christianity that magnified the marriage it was Christianity and I'll tell you the attacks that are going on today are not political attacks they're attacks of spiritual warfare against the God of heaven and the Bible that I preach today he begins instruction to the parents with a caution. With a caution, fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Don't cause them to hate life. 
Now think about this. Think about this. Children, uh, parents, don't cause your children to be angry. I ask you the question. What is the emotion that's expressed above all others in our culture today? Anger. You see it on the highways. You see it on the internet. You see folks are filled with anger. You see it in the classroom. Why? Because we haven't followed the instruction of this Bible. But I want to tell you something. Just as it was in the days of Noah. Thank God Noah didn't follow the crowd. He didn't follow the majority. He followed the instruction of that old book. And when the flood of destruction came. When they came out on the other side. Noah and his wife and their families were all saved. Because of somebody that believed the instruction of the word of God. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. Colossians 3.21, he writes, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Those words are equal to the words broken in spirit. I wish I had time to teach what I'm about to tell you, but I'm just going to take the time to state it. There are five ways parents tend to rear their children in anger. Sometimes they rear them in anger as a result of overprotection. It's understandable why some parents feel the need to protect their children from the terrible culture that we live in today. And children today are not just exposed to the facts of life. They're exposed to wickedness and immorality and all sorts of base behavior. And they end up angry in life and confused about even their gender, how sad it is. But we have to understand in rearing our children, we're not rearing our children for ourselves, and it's impossible to keep our children at home. We must teach them a biblical worldview. What does that mean, seeing the world through the eyes of the Word of God? We have to understand they're going to leave our homes, and we have to not only protect them as they grow up, but we must teach them and admonish them. Nurture and admonition. Admonition means to admonish or to say out loud. We have to teach them what the Word of God says and prepare them for what they're going to see. You can't keep your children in a bubble. There's coming a day that they're going to go into the world. They need to understand you've been given life to be a light and salt to the world. Sometimes children are reared in anger because of overindulgence. Overindulgence. Giving a child everything they want and total freedom. Letting them do as they will. They grow up expecting everything they ask for in life. They come to believe they are entitled to anything they want. They end up angry because you can't have everything you want. The Bible teaches us to earn what we have. And less is more appreciated when we earn it than more when it is given. That book's a wonderful book. Folks, it works. It worked in the days of Noah and it'll work in the days of the coming of Christ as he compared those days to the days of Noah and the coming of Christ. The instruction given to Noah will work today. Sometimes children are raised in anger because of favoritism. 
You can cause anger in your children by favoring one over the other. In the Bible, Jacob was the favorite of Rebekah. Esau, the favorite of Isaac. Jacob repeated that same thing with his son Joseph and all of his brothers were angry toward him. When parents show favoritism to their children, they cause an insecurity and an anger among the family. Sometimes anger is called because of the frustrations of parents. If we aren't careful, we break their spirit over unrealistic expectations. Sometimes dads are so anxious for their sons to excel, they push them for themselves and not for the good of the child. Moms so desirous that the girls be beautiful that they push them to be sensual, which is not beautiful at all. In some, if they excel, we make them feel as if they could have done better. I encourage you every time there's a word of correction there are words of praise. I encourage you that when we have to deal with negative, we deal with it in a positive manner, understanding God doesn't live as a father looking for an opportunity to discipline us, but as a father, he looks for an opportunity to bless our obedience in him. Sometimes anger is caused through neglect. How sad a statistic I read recently said 30 minutes per week is the average time that a father spends with his family. Children are spending too much time with the internet and electronic games and television more than with conversation and interaction with mom and dad. I read a study that said, and, and the test proved to be, it's not a survey, but the test proved after years to be 90% accurate. And they wanted to determine whether or not what they observed in five and six-year-olds would that 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 uh, would call that five and six-year-old would become an offender or a lawbreaker, and they discovered that four primary factors were necessary to prevent delinquency. These four things, they could have read it in the Bible without the study and without the grant. But sometimes folks don't believe the Bible, and they go through a lot of study and a lot of work to find out. You know what? I could have got that free by just reading the Word of God. These four things. A father's firm, fair, and consistent discipline. A mother's supervision and companionship. Parents' demonstrative affection for each other and for their children. Dad saying to his wife, I love you. A wife saying to her husband, I love you. Parents saying to their children, I love you. That's good job. You did well. And then the family spending time together in activities where everybody participated. These are Bible principles. You find them again and again in Proverbs and Ephesians. And so we begin with a caution and then we come to a command in verse number four that says bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It didn't say send them, it said bring them. It didn't say tell them, it says show them. This is the teaching and training children, bringing them to the place of maturity. And he tells us there's two ways. First of all, parents are to discipline their children. Now hear me well. Abuse is punishing a child for what you've not trained them to do. That's abuse. Proper discipline is disobedience to the training that is given. I've got to move quickly but parents ought to practice or train 
children's behavior in church. This is what we do during the singing. This is what we do during the preaching. This is how we behave and we practice that. Then if a child doesn't do what they practice or what they've been trained to do, then discipline is in order. It's what we're supposed to do. I hear folks negative about discipline and I say, look, your child got hurt more playing today than they did in discipline. Stinging on the backside for 10 seconds doesn't hurt them near as bad as them falling down on the playground. But falling down on the playground is not going to help them like stinging on the backside for a few seconds because they were disobedient. Somebody say amen right there. It's the truth. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes, or when it's needed. Proverbs 22, 15, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Susanna Wesley, what a wonderful biography to read. She raised 17 children, including two preachers, John and Charles Wesley. She said, and I quote, The parent that studies to subdue self-will, the parent that studies to subdue self-will in his child works together with God in renewing and saving a soul. The parent who indulges it does the devil's work, makes salvation unattainable, and does all that in him lies to damn his child, soul, and body forever. We're supposed to teach our children what the Bible says is right and what the Bible says is wrong. And when we disobey what is right, there is a punishment. And it's a whole lot easier getting a swat on the backside than it is putting on handcuffs. Now we have a generation that's grown up that said, my mom and dad never told me what to do, and no police officer is going to tell me what to do, and we're going to defund the police, and folks are fleeing cities that they once enjoyed living in, but they can't live there because they've become barbaric in behavior, and they're fleeing to the countryside, and it's not because we don't have enough sociologists and psychologists, it's because we don't have enough moms and dads that pick up this book right here and teach their children and rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word admonition means to teach by words, by means of words. There's no under, uh, there is no underestimating the importance of the things we teach our children. It is essential for us to spend quality time and quantity time with our children. It's essential that we communicate love constantly to our children by eye contact, by a hug or an embrace, by proper physical touch. It is important that we communicate to them by means of positive words. Very careful on the words you say and the tone of your voice when you say them. Our children ought to know right. When a little child is small, they ought to, they ought to hear from their mom and dad, God made the sun. God made the moon. God made you. They ought to understand that tithing brings God's blessing. They ought to understand that no, God blesses honesty. God blesses hard work. God blesses faithfulness. And our children ought to see that serving God is not an option or not something we do in spare time, but it's a command that we live out in our lives.
In the days of Noah, God gave instruction on how to live. They rejected the words of God. And that world perished. But one man decided, though he was in the smallest of minorities, I'll obey the instruction of God. And while they mocked and laughed for that 120 years of building a boat, building an ark, it was only Noah and his family that was saved. Our minority is getting smaller again. There's not as many that believe that old book right there. But I'm telling you, a judgment like this world has never seen since the days of Noah is coming. And those who seek to escape the judgment and enjoy the good blessings of God are those that say, I'm going to take God at face value and I'm going to live my life and rear my children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Stand with me if you will. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand in this dark and difficult day, there is light and there is joy when we search, when we seek, and when we follow the Word of God. I pray, Lord, this morning, if there are those here that are being pulled by the world and carnality, that they today would say, you know, we just need to obey the Word of God and rear our children accordingly. Perhaps there are those here today, they need to be born again. They need to be saved. Perhaps those saved that have not yet followed you in baptism since they received you as Savior, I pray that today they'd be obedient to you in that. And Lord, whatever spiritual decision that needs to be made would be made this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As he sings the invitation.